0: He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20 The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Rev. Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Rev. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dan Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Rev. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God
1: <laughs> shall we share a word of prayer father thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your presence we pray that you will speak to us through your word we pray in the name of jesus that you will grant this vessel the holy spirit so that your word will be glorified in the lives of your people Cleanse me from everything that will be a limitation to the flow of your spirit. Have mercy on a vessel of clay. Touch these lips of clay, O God, and use them to minister to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please take your seats. I'd like to, well, first of all, thank God for bringing us through Three days of daughter, you can make it. It is by his mercies, amen. And then also, I want to thank my husband, the bishop, for making it possible for me to stand here before you today. And all the resident bishops and pastors in the house, and lady pastors who have stood with us, the choir, the shepherds, the different daughters and sons, who have made today possible. God bless you and reward you adequately. Amen. And then I think we should give them a hand. I also want to honor all mothers. Amen. Your work is tireless. I always say that we wear so many hats. We are domestic bears because we have to give you nutritious food. Sometimes we have to rack our brains to bring variety to the table, and it's not easy. Sometimes you ask your husband, what will you eat? He says, anything. But if you bring anything, it doesn't work. Amen. And uh, we are nurses because we have to be able to determine temperature by type touching your forehead. We have to be able to look under your eyes to see if you are anemic. We have to study to see if you are weak and to dispense the drugs that we should dispense. So we become nurses. And then we are educationists because we go to your schools to speak to the teachers about your progress and your conduct. And then we look at the weak areas in your academic life and we get studies, teachers, and all that to help you. We attend most open days because it's our lot. And if there's any rebuke, we receive it on behalf of our children. Sometimes even in our local parlance, people are insulting a child, then they insult the mother. And we take all that for you as Jesus did on the cross. Then We are also um, interior decor experts because we have to make sure that the house looks a certain way. At the same time, as we wear all these many hats, we are HR specialists because we take care of domestic staff. We hire and we fire. Amen, ladies. And so we are uh, uh, HR experts. We are also PRs. For our homes and our husbands, the Bible says, homes are made by the wisdom of women and destroyed by their foolishness. So we are PR for how the home will be. The warmth or the coldness in the home all depends on us. We are fashion designers because sometimes we have to braid our daughter's hair or sit with that it's done. We have to choose styles and we have to choose clothes for them and tell them, this is inadequate, you can't wear this, you can wear that. So, we wear so many hats. After that, we are also supposed to look good, look slim, look available, and wear all these hats at one go. We are really multifaceted. Give it up for the mothers. Give it up for the mothers. You are blessed. We honor you. We honor you. We thank God for your lives. Blessed is the womb that bore us and the breast that we sat. We are blessed because of all these things. God bless you. And that's as, as a postscript. When I was practicing as a lawyer, I went sometimes to the family tribunal. It was always mothers dragging fathers to court for child maintenance. It was not a nice sight. And that has given rise to some of these feeders and all that. So we thank God for mothers who are so special. And it's an honor to remember you today. God bless you. Amen. Amen. And if you haven't called your mother, please, after this service, go and call her. Sometimes it's not just your biological mother, but anybody who has been a mother figure in your life, spiritually, physically, bringing you up even to be a lady, a gentleman, providing for you in various ways. You know, it's only the unbelieving who are unthankful. And ingratitude is a sign of unrighteousness. Because the Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Amen. So I pray that if you haven't called your mother after now, go and send her a text. Send her a gift. Don't wait. When she passes away, that you come and stand here to give her a tribute. Give it to her now while she's living. Amen. And the husbands, honor the mothers in your home because they cover up for you. Amen. Well, in the first service, I was talking about the fact that the Bible and indeed Jesus admonishes us and tells us to consider certain things in our lives and I started the first service by talking about consider the chastening of the Lord or the discipline of God that it is done to only those whom he loves or those who are his sons and so we are going to continue considering in the second service amen and I believe that as we consider The Lord will show us many things. Now, the word consider means to ponder over carefully, to think through, to think soberly and with sober judgment about something in a way that it affects your actions. And the Bible, especially the book of Psalms, is replete with the word selah, S-E-L-A-H. And the word selah means... Pause and think. And that is what to consider means, to pause and think. And in the hustle and bustle of life, we often don't think about many things. And we don't ponder about many things. In fact, sometimes we end up being ungrateful and being some way because we don't have the grace to ponder, to sell out. I mean, you might just read a verse. And David knew that we would be like that. So he said after you have read this particular verse, take your time and ponder over it. Amen. Now, I want us to consider something else that the Bible asks us to consider. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse 13. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse 13. Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight which God has made crooked? Amen. Who can make that straight which God has made crooked? Only God can decide to make anything straight that He has made crooked. Because He is the Maker. And He has it in His power to make what He has made straight crooked. Amen. But many times in our lives, in our relationships, we try to straighten that which God, the creator, has made crooked. Amen? And the Bible is saying that take your time, sit down, think about it, meditate upon it, let it enter your heart, and then act upon it. So it's saying that look at the work of God. Who can make straight what God has made crooked? Now, my husband said to me that it's only man who is always trying to draw straight lines, use uh, uh, the compass to do things. That's why you need a ruler. But everything that God has made, beauty and all that, there's no straight line, really. When you look at a plant, there's no straight line. When you look at the border of maybe the sea, the shore, there's no straight line. When you look at a tree, It doesn't stand upright. Even palm trees have leaves on top of them that will bend a little. When you look at mountains, they have ridges, they have crevices, they have different things. They are not straight. When you look at leaves even, they are not straight. Rivers, they are not straight. Streams, they are not straight. Birds of the air, they are not made straight like this. Even human beings, we are not straight. Especially women, we are not straight amen and yet in spite of this we have taken upon us a project to make things straight that God has not made straight. what are some of these things lady Reverend there are certain things especially in the area of marriage when people marry as they come to the altar the person is not straight but after they have married the person They embark on a lifelong journey of making straight that which the Lord has made crooked. It's true that God comes into our lives. And it's true that we become born again. But we don't become perfect in a day. How many of you know that? And that is why God puts the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because the Bible says God is at work in you both to will, and to do of his good pleasure. But many of us, we have taken the God out of people, and we have replaced it with ourselves. So we are the ones at work in our husbands. We are the ones at work in our children. We are the ones at work in our bosses, to make them will and to do. And that is a human's task. And often, it leads to frustrations, because you cannot make that Uh, straight, which God has made crooked. Amen. And it is not that people are not godly. I believe that God blesses us with godly husbands, God-fearing husbands. But they may be God-fearing and all that, but they are still not perfect. As Bishop says, everybody has a right leg and a left leg. If you have only a right leg or only a right arm, then Maybe some misfortune came to you, but generally speaking, that will not be seen as a correct thing. Now, when you look at Jeremiah 13, verse 23, the Bible says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? Then may he also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Can the Ethiopian, who has his skin color the way it is, can he change, not the color, but the skin? I wonder how many of us can change our skin. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard? Every leopard is identified by the spots it has. If it doesn't have spots, then it's a dog. But you take a leopard you say, you see, that's your husband. He's a leopard. And you say, your spots are many. I'm now going to embark on the life Lord God has called me to change you. So you decide to take off the spots. Until Jesus comes, you will never succeed in taking away those spots. Can the leopard change his spots? Amen, ladies. Amen, men. Now the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9:9 that We should live joyfully with the wife of our youth. God wants us to live joyfully, not sorrowfully, not grievously, not with a lot of complaining and memory. He wants us to live joyfully and with the wife of our youth. So those of you brothers who are looking for something that doesn't exist and you are going on to 48, 49 and you are still looking, the Bible says live with the wife of your youth. Amen not your wife of your pension days. Amen, ladies. Amen, Amen, the brothers. Now, there's a very powerful prayer that St. Francis Xavier prayed. He said, God, grant me the courage to change the things I can change, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. He said, grant me the courage to change the things that I can change. So there are certain things that you can change. But usually, the things that you can change are in you yourself. Because you are the one who can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible says, Mortify therefore your members or put to death your members who are upon the earth. It's relating to you. So you can do it by the power of God that rests in you. But you cannot go to another brother and decide to mortify the members of, the, of that person's body. It's not going to work. But we do that so often. Even as mothers, we take our children who are leopards and we say, Come here. This is your sport. It's an academic sport. Remove. This one is a temperamental sport. Remove. And you do all that you can do, but you don't always end up in the place you would like to. I always say that Adam and Eve fell in the garden of Eden although God was a perfect parent. God and and they didn't even have Satan then. How much more are we who we'll have Satan with us. He's he's roaming to and fro upon the earth. God had a perfect paradise and he created two beautiful children. He put them in the garden. He gave them everything. There was no need. There was no evil. They were not in any fallen state. And yet still, the children rebelled. And yet still, the children went astray. So sometimes as parents, we take on guilt that is not our own. Amen. Because the fact is that at a certain point, and in many ways, children also make their own choices. So the best thing that a parent can do is to stay on his or her knees and ask God to send a laborer to send a messenger, a messenger of righteousness, a messenger of hope into the life of that child. And I believe that in this church, God has sent a messenger of hope for the children, like Reverend Oko, like Pastor Ben Johnson, like Lady Pastor Erica. But as the messenger has come, you never send your child to where the messenger is. And you cannot blame God for that. Because everything has been set up for you, so that your children will hear the word of God, so that your children will know how to be in the house of God, so that your children will be cultivated in the ways of God. Of course, it's not 100% guaranteed, but at least we know that it works. Amen! But you won't bring your child. Sunday, you are going to play golf. You are going to eat a mutuo. You are going to do other things. When they say they should come on Saturday, really? Saturday service. So who would drop you? Me, I'm going to the hairdresser. I don't think I can. And when you do that, after that, you say, how come you have become like this? Come, I'm going to remove your spots. Let us avail ourselves of what we have in the house. Amen. Now, if we cannot change the spots, then what should we do? Can an Ethiopian change his skin? or the leopard, his spots, then you too, you can change. Look at how God has been struggling with you. He says you are a new creature, but for you to just walk in it, it's been a struggle. And that is why we are always having confession of sins. I hope so, because we are always falling. In fact, the nature of the body is just to exude something that is not good. That is why toothpaste has been made Deodorant has been made, mouthwash has been made, because we stink naturally. We just stink. We don't have to make an effort. The flesh just stinks. Amen. So if we cannot change those spots, then God has to bring us to that place where we can have a spirit of acceptance. Amen. And I'm reading from the model marriage manual, the key of acceptance. Because you are fighting every day. You see, you see, you, you have to learn to accept certain things about your spouse. You have to learn to accept certain things about even you yourself. You have to learn to accept certain things about your children. You have to learn to accept certain things about your boss. Amen. And what are some of the things that we can accept, Lady Reverend? You can accept the temperament of your spouse. Amen. Now, I don't have so much time to go through temperament. So, you either buy a copy of Model Marriage, or you buy Helpers of Your Joy on temperament, or you buy a daughter, you can make it on temperament, but we won't have so much time for that. But let's go to Proverbs chapter 30, verse... (laughs) Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11. (laughs) The powers that be. There's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords And their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Hallelujah. Now the Bible is telling us there are four generations. Unfortunately, the writer here just focuses on the negatives of temperaments. But he says that there's a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. That's the melancholic temperament. Everything they see bad in it. Everything they see, the dangers. 32 reasons why we shouldn't do it. 44 reasons why it won't work. And I mean, that's how God made them. They came in a fallen state. That's how they are. Amen. So when they look at television, they say, what is this life at all? Is it useful to live? Look at Iraq. Look at Miserata. Look at, you've taken all the problems of the world and added it to you. And because of that, you are sad. They are prone to depression. They are sometimes called the dark temperaments. They don't, they don't um, make friends easily. They are a bit reserved. But they have good sides. If you like to count things and to be meticulous about things, employ a melancholic They are very dedicated friends. They don't have many friends, but if you are their one friend, they will be very, very, very loyal to you. But as they are loyal to you, they also expect the same standards from you, and you are likely to fail. Therein lies the problem. Amen. And then the next generation is a generation that's pure in their own eyes. They're very nice people. They are so nice that we take their morality for righteousness. But morality and righteousness are two different things. The Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. You, you, you can be moral, you can have moral standards, but except you are born again, you can. But these people are so nice. They get along with everybody. They don't ruffle any feathers. They, they are just nice people. They are very diplomatic. They are peacemakers. So everybody likes them. And we assume that they are born again. But they are one of the groups that are very difficult to get to be born again because they see themselves as, I'm okay. I don't quarrel with people. I bring peace. I exude love, warmth. I'm okay. And so they are pure in their own eyes, but they are not washed. And yet the other side is that they are nice. They are diplomatic. They are peacemakers. They don't like crisis. If you put them here, you will come and find them here. They don't move about, you know. And they are very... Um, They have a long fuse. They are very long-suffering, all right? That's the phlegmatic. Then the next generation is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes? They are always in cloud nine. They don't really live on this planet with us. They spend money anyhow, anything impulsive buying. They are happy. They like parties. They flow. When you have a meeting, they'll tell you 44 reasons why it will work. Go for it, but when it comes to implementing, they will not be there. That you get so surprised and so uh, uh, bogged down, you know. But those are the sanguines. They are not good at looking after money, but they are very loud and friendly. They like flamboyant colors, and when they come, they are the life of your party. But they will not keep to any schedule. They will break their promises. And when they see you, you feel so special. After they've passed by you, they've forgotten what you said you were or what you do. Amen. And the last of the generation whose teeth are as swords, hey, yeah, yeah, hey. and their jaws are as knives, and their words devour the needy. When they speak one word, shh, it cuts into you like a spear. And when you ask them, they'll say, But it's the truth. I've told you, it's the truth. So what should I say? Do you want me to lie? Do you want me to be diplomatic? As for me, I say it as it is. That's the generation. And um, they are often visionaries. And they can't really stand people who are slow, don't achieve. It's like, what's your problem? Just move, move! You know? And it is said that Paul the Apostle is likely to have been a choleric. But he said, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You think that I'm not powerful, you see. When I get there, you will see. You know? He says that John Mark... When we're going, you were dilly-dallying aside. We are moving. The kingdom of God is going forward. Those are the people. And so you have to accept which temperament does your beloved, your husband, your child fall in. And then when you can accept that, you don't begin to take the spots of the leopard. You don't begin to make that straight which the Lord has made crooked because you have accepted That God makes us in different ways. And of course, variety is the spice of life. Otherwise, how would life be? Accept the masculinity of of femininity of your spouse. Amen. A man must accept that he's married to a woman, not to another man. God made you Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. The Bible says that dwell with us according to knowledge. And it almost seems straight like a nursery rhyme. But beloved, if only our brothers would listen to God's word in this context. To dwell with your wives according to knowledge. It means that you have to study her, not condemn her. And it means that when you study her, you will acquire knowledge. When you acquire knowledge, you use it. When you use the knowledge, it becomes technology. And the reason why we need to be studied is because, with all due respect, you were made directly from the soil, but a woman was taken from the side of man. I didn't say God said it. And that makes us high-tech, superior, delicate, I don't know which word. And so you have to study the manual to be able to live with a woman. Amen and not just say, she's always shifting the goalpost. I don't know what she wants. In my opinion, women are very easy to love because the things that touch them are so simple. They want one they cook for you to say the food was nice. You are wonderful cook. You don't need to have money to say that. She just wants to say when she looks nice, that you look beautiful. I'm glad I married you. You are my queen, and she's okay. She just wants you to say, I see all your labor when you clean the kitchen floor. How do you do it? You go to the market, you organize the house, you still preach, you are in ministry, you are in the corporate world. How do you do it? Oh, I rise up and I call you blessed. When you do that, your bedroom agenda is made. In the name of Jesus, is made. Amen. The Bible says, how often will you refuse knowledge? Knowledge is coming, but you refuse it, brothers. It is so simple. Yes. If you sow the right seeds during the day, you reap a, hamper, a bumper harvest in the night, brothers. Dwell with us according to knowledge. Amen, ladies. Bishop Saki was saying last week, six words you must know. Thank you. I love you. Please. Not, where's the water? Where's the soup? Bring it now. Please, can I have some soup? And you are already halfway. Yes, that is all. Amazingly, that is all. And it's so easy. But you think that you must build us mansions. We want you, like God. We want you, not things, you. Amen, brothers. Dwell with us. Dwell with us according to knowledge. You know, yesterday, somebody had question and answer, and he said, my wife, she does not bless me in the bedroom. She does not do her best. I don't know what's wrong. I mean, all that. So I went to the verse that says, I do not defraud one another and all that. But this morning, as I was thinking about it, I said, if only we would also look at what makes the woman so cadaveric, what? She has not, she's a field that has not been cultivated. There's been no fertilizer. You have not shown her any love. She just wants tenderness because she's not as rough as the soil. She was taken from your side. The woman was made for relationships. Because the Bible says it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet. We didn't choose our destiny. God made us that way. We are wired that way. Amen. And that is why when you go to mental hospitals, the reason why certain women are there is not because of drugs, but it's often relationship crisis. Because the core of her being has been disrupted. Amen. So if you will dwell with her according to knowledge, I think that most marriages will be easy. And if we will believe God when he says dwell with her according to knowledge, and he says as heirs together of the grace of life, giving honor unto the vessel. But we, when we see the weak vessel, we kick it. We push it we want to, because it is weak. But the Bible says giving honor as unto the weaker vessel. So our weakness should rather attract your honor, your celebration, and your respect. <clears throat> giving honor unto the wife. Sometimes you give honor to everybody else apart from your wife. And I thank God for my husband because he gives me so much honor. Every time he's preaching, every time he's somewhere, he gives me, and he's somebody who says it as it is. Amen. He does not mince words, but I thank God for that, because sometimes when I'm doing counseling, I meet people. He said, "He has never said a nice word to me since we married. Since we married, you don't even mention her name. You call her why, why? Who were he? I've counseled." wives like that. Said, Since he married me, I said, so what do you call him? I call him sweetheart. I call him honey. And he calls me wine wine. Can you not sweeten it a little? Giving honor as unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel. Honor is not difficult to give. Dwell with us together. As being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers may not be hindered. Could it be that the reason why you are not getting money is because you don't treat your wife well? Your prayers are not reaching heaven, brothers. It's an indictment on you. I mean, if we would just consider it. Even healing. Could it be that your prayers are being hindered? When your prayers are going, there's a hindrance, roadblocks to your prayer. Just because you don't give her honor. She's a weaker vessel, but the package is not rubbish. The package is weaker, but the contents are not rubbish. Amen. Maybe you must forgive me for saying that a weaker vessel, you boot it. And you, because by the grace of God, I am a board member, management board member of the domestic violence board. And the pictures and things I see, you know. And when I first went, they were giving us an orientation. And I saw women. This one bandage here, hot water, this. So I said, ah, men are very cruel. That was chapter one. Chapter two, I saw men, what women have done to them, sprayed mosquito spray into their eyes, poured oil on them when they were asleep. And then the lady said, I just want you to know that on the other side of the divide, there's also domestic violence. I was surprised, very, very surprised to know that. So, ladies, we are weaker vessels, but we can also be very wicked. So, the the Lord should help us so that your prayers will not be hindered. Amen. What a man also wants in a wife is that she should be interested and excited about the bedroom. That is also important to a man, sisters. Amen. And we also must allow the word of God to change us. To affect our thinking. If God says so, he knows best. He says that even when you are fasting, come together quickly. Let Satan tempt you. Then you, they come together quickly. You live in Germany and your husband lives in Lithuania. And so we have economic problems. You live in America and your wife lives here. Then later you come and tell me, or your husband lives here. You come and say, Lady Reverend, he's been so unfaithful to me. The Bible said that even the first thing you are in the same house, come together quickly. Let's say it's How much more? When you are in Germany and I'm in Ghana, then you should come together more than quickly. Amen, ladies. See, the Bible says temptations are sure to come, but woe to them by whom they come. So sometimes we also push our husbands to the wrong places, into the wrong arms, into the wrong beds, because we starve them in the bedroom. And we do that because we are so self-centered. I was telling the young ladies yesterday, they said that the marriage of the lamb has come, and the wife, you are not a wife yet, but the Bible says the wife has made herself ready. And I asked them, when you are sleeping in the night, are you ready to be disturbed? Then you are not ready to be married. Then one young lady who has been married for a few months, she came to me in the evening and said, Auntie Mommy, when you were preaching, she told a younger friend of hers, I just got married. I found out that everything she's saying is true, especially the disturbance in your sleep. I've come to see <laughs> that is very true. And so accept how God has made each and every one of us. And ladies, let's stop trying to rationalize. How can somebody be like this? How can God create a person like this? <laughs> Is it normal? Somebody said, don't wake up a sleeping lion. She came home and her husband was asleep and she was tiptoeing. Because if he wakes up, it will not be easy. So she Said, don't wake up a sleeping lion. But God made him that lion. Amen. And you must provide him with prayer. I have to end soon. So we have to accept the negative things about the temperament and the positive things as well. We have to accept the things that God does in our lives that may not be so exciting for the moment. Amen. Accept that the word of God is better than your emotions. Amen. Your emotions are things you cannot, you can change. The word of God never changes. So let us not be ruled by our emotions. Let us be ruled by the word of God. Can the Ethiopian change her leopard skins? Stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? I want you to pray to God that He will help you to stop struggling and wrestling with things that he has not called you to do. To change people forcibly, to change people by manipulation, to change situations you cannot change. You want to pray the Lord, give me the courage to change what I can. The serenity to accept the ones that I cannot change. And the wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and what I cannot. And if there be any grace that I need to live with or to abide by what I cannot change, grant me that grace. Oh, speak to God. It's not just a formality. Pray that he will give you the grace to be the husband that he has called you to be. Pray that He will give you the grace to be the wife that you have to be, lest your prayers be hindered. Amen. Speak to God. Hallelujah. This is my desire to honor you Lord with all my heart I worship you all I have within me you praise. praise All All that I adore is in you. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart. the grace to accept the things we cannot change and to have quiet trust that you are sovereign and all powerful and that you can do all things thank you Jesus every eye closed and every head bowed. you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior you want to say lady reverend pray for me I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Green leaves fall and brown leaves fall. The Lord is reaching out to you today. He wants to come into your heart and to make a difference in your life. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want Jesus to come in and make a difference in my life. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to have eternal life. If you are here like that, lift up your hands wherever you may stand be standing. You want to mean business with God. You want God to come into your life and make a difference. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Please put up your hand and let it go above your shoulders so that I can see you. And I would like to say a prayer for you. Lift up your hands wherever you may be standing. God is talking to you. God is reaching out to you. Forget about who is on your left or who is on your right. Mean business with God this morning. Let those hands go up. I can see your hands. I can see your hands. And if you have put up your hand, let me ask you to do one more thing. Father, I pray for these that have put up their hands. That today will mark a new beginning. If you've put up your hand, please come forward. I want to have the honor of leading you into the presence of Jesus. Come. Come to Jesus. Come forward to where I am. If you lifted up your hand. Forget about who is on your left Who is on your right Let Jesus make a difference in your life Let Jesus breathe new life into you Let Jesus give you hope in this life Let Jesus change the things that can be changed Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit Come to Jesus Come to Jesus Hallelujah Please just close your eyes If you are coming, come quickly. We are waiting for you. Just close your eyes and let this prayer be your prayer. I'm just leading you, but mean it with all your heart and to Jesus. You want to say, dear Lord, please repeat after me. Dear Lord, this morning I come to you just as I am. Please take my life and make me a new person. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Jesus, cleanse me with your blood that flowed at Calvary. And thank you that you rose from the dead. That because you live, I shall live also. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. For writing my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name. Satan, I break every link with you. I break your influence over my life. Christ has set me free. And I'm free indeed.
0: Amen.